0: Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. On today's episode, I connect with author and theologian Luke Aylin to talk about his fantasy book series and the various ways he has honed his writing craft. Luke also shares a special scene from one of his books at the end of the episode, so be sure to stay tuned and enjoy that. Well hey everyone it's Andrea Sandifer, your host for today's episode and I am joined by Luke and I i should have asked you before we even started how do you pronounce your last name because I was going to do it wrong I'm sure. Oh,
1: yeah. It's Luke Allen, which is a bit of a weird pronunciation so don't worry no, most it's... people call me Alan but I, I answer to anything you know you or I. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Aylin I love it and it's it, that sounds very uh UK to me, uh, that (laughs) pronunciation. So I love it. So Luke, I am so glad to have you on today. And Luke is an author, and he's going to tell us all about um, what he's written and uh, his process today. But let's uh, just get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live there in the UK, and um, a little bit about what you do.
1: Oh, wonderful! Well, th- first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to to be able to join. It's great. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, my name's Luke. I am an author for sort of fantasy for older children, um, into sort of young teens. and um, uh, but but a bit of a mix of like creative backgrounds. So I've been involved in sort of script writing and direction stuff. I did some years running a bit of a, a small film film company. Um, I started with sort of wedding photography. Um, so I've dipped into like lots of different creative, you know, creative areas. Um, but the weird sort of the, the strange turn in my life has been that for the last two, uh, well, for the last three years, um, I've been training for um, ordination with the Church of England. I've actually just become a priest in the Church of England. So oh, um, so I'm now sort of balancing uh, ministry with uh, continuing theological studies with then a bit of the creative stuff. So it keeps life full. Um but each of those are really rewarding areas. And I now live in Hereford, which um, most people around the world will probably have no idea what that is. It's sort of on the border between England and Wales um, oh, and lovely. beautiful, beautiful areas. I so really, really love place to be. So,
0: Yeah, whenever yeah. I look at like a Google map of uh, Great Britain and I look at the the area of Wales, it just looks so green over there oh, yeah. um very lush and i've never visited much outside of london we took a bus ride from london to the dover coast and that was the extent oh, of yeah. my england experience so uh must oh you're back. missing
1: out next time come come to the welsh marches and hereford and uh, yeah exactly. i mean wales the mountains are incredible so i i'm a big lover of um mountains and cliffs and sort of really dramatic landscapes um, yeah, you know, as a fantasy author, that just gets me in the zone to see that sort of spl- sort of stuff. So, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I can tell you draw a lot of your creativity uh, from your surroundings, probably in writing what you do. Mm. So, I can't wait to mm. talk to everybody about that. I so I even have enjoyed Luke's books that he uh, has put out. Um, they're wonderful, and I kind of pre-read them, and you know, uh, thinking of having my kids read them this school year. They have to write like one book report a week and Mm -hmm. I just love how, um, yeah, I think your stories have beautiful storylines and everything, so I'm excited for them to enjoy them too, but so it sounds like God kind of had you doing a bunch of different things, and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, these stories, how did, how did he call you into writing these stories?
1: Yeah, well, it's, I always feel like a little bit of imposter as an author, because I've not come in through the normal route, and I've actually been I feel like I'm quite fortunate and I bypassed a little bit the most painful part of the process that, that many authors have to go through with trying to get their first book, um, before the right person. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, I, kind of, as you heard, like, you know, my creative background, I, I kind of think of them all as being about storytelling and curiosity and playing, playing about with creativity. And, um, and I think what, what drew me into, uh, writing into writing, you know, books, um, was that I'd done, photography and video where you know to do you know you can do a certain extent but when you sort of get some of your visions you're like gosh unless I have a huge amount of money um, and you know massive budget massive crew there's some limitations on what I can what I can do you can still do a lot within that but there's there's still some limitations and then did quite a lot of stagey stuff when I worked with big um, Christian um, events company and sort of festival um, here in the UK and um, again, was given so much creative freedom, which is brilliant, but, but budgets and staging and things like that limit you. And, um, and I'd always enjoyed writing. So uh, the thing I like about words is that there are no limitations. You can do as big budget as you like, and you know, uh, as long as the book doesn't get too fat, then it's, um, then you can have as much fun as you like. So
0: uh,
1: I had written for fun uh, for a long time. I mean, I remember writing as a kid. Um writing stories quite a lot but had picked it back up um probably about probably only about six or seven years ago um picked up writing just for fun and I would um work on my own um storylines and story ideas I had a, I had a friend who we'd meet up once a month we both aimed to write a chapter and we'd sit down with a glass of whiskey each and discuss our chapter um and like you know give each other advice um, but fell into the books uh, slightly uh, through a, a strange route in that while I was working with them um, Spring Harvest this big Christian festival in the UK um, my role involved creative direction for the events which covered a whole plethora of different fun elements but what one of those was um, what's known as a big start, which is a sort of it's like a cross between pantomime if you know what that is with um, with holiday bible club with church service and it's it's this half an hour, all age extravaganza that happens each morning at the festival, where it unpacks sort of one theme that's going to be explored across the whole site in all the different age groups with adults and families and kids for that day. And um, we had the real joy. I, I love that job because I was able to draw in theatre companies and dance troupes and artists and musicians and all sorts, and and all of that was then thrown into creating this exciting all age thing that we were doing and we'd often pick a uh, a theme to sort of base that around and then we'd be exploring normally some narratives from the bible Um, but this year our event theme was the book of james which is an amazing book full of great wisdom that's really applicable across all ages but isn't a narrative and doesn't automatically lend itself to sort of a a sort of a show a production um, a storyline that you could unpack each day so we'd also then chosen um, sort of fantasy adventure as being a way of exploring it. because It's all about this sort of brave discipleship um, that we could learn through the wisdom of James. Uh, and so I, I was writing the scripts for that, those morning sessions, which would go those sort of five days. Um, the theatre company would be carrying through this fantasy adventure story um, that unpacks the wisdom of James, which then would be sort of further explored through the rest of the event. And then um, and, and it was coming together really well. And we were all getting really excited about this. And um, and, I, and I turned to my boss and I said, what would be really brilliant is, you know, we produce tons of resources for adults to go away and think about their discipleship and dig into the themes and to, you know, a bit of a commentary on James. Um, why don't we do something that families and children can can use after the event can dig in to James deeper um, and, and I said, you know, we've got this story that we're doing for Big Star. We've got this theatre production. Why don't we get someone to turn that into a book? Um, thinking, you know, we knew lots of authors who we could ask. And she said, oh, well, great idea. Why, why don't you have a go? And if it's awful, we get someone else to rewrite it. And then <laughs> I don't know, maybe they ran out of time because they just stuck with my book. So um, uh, and then, yeah, because that went down well in the event. I was, I was absolutely delighted when the publisher came back and said, oh your first book you know people have loved it do you want to do um do you want to do make into a series and um and that was really lovely because to do books two and three then I was given a you know a huge amount more creative room and flexibility and able to explore where I wanted to go as a writer so I so I feel really guilty whenever I talk to other authors who you know have gone through that painful process of sending their manuscripts to dozens of agents or publishers and um, getting all those notes of rejection because I slightly fell into it via a, a, strange, a strange side route um, but, but honestly I mean for me that's part of what makes it feel like it is part of God's call rather than um, rather than me sort of just striving away in my own sort of efforts and it's not to say other people who, who go the other route are doing that but for me I think that was quite an affirmation to say gosh uh, you know I hadn't planned for this I hadn't expected it but I've been given the opportunity and it's been so life-giving and exciting for me I've loved love writing them love sharing them loved engaging with people over them so um feels like a real gift of God to be honest that, that it happened um, yeah really?
0: I love I love that story of how they came to be <laughs> it's it, I think you're right it's Especially that person. I love the person going, well, why don't you just tackle it? Uh, That happens so much in our lives. Uh, Somebody else seeing something in us and telling us to go for it and um, watching God work with us through that. And that's really exciting. I want to circle back because you said something early on that you had done with a friend. You guys wrote like chapter by chapter and you met together together.
1: Yeah, and
0: that is such a great idea to almost oh. have like a, you know, I talk to a lot of musicians and we talk about co-writing, you know, mm. how we we try to write a song together. But you were almost like co-authoring your own separate books, but being mm. an encouragement to each other. I think of like a C.S. Lewis and a Tolkien, like you guys were <laughs> almost like cheering each other on as you were writing and creating something. And that what a yeah. great idea. I-
1: I mean, I'm so grateful for that. I mean, my friend Josh, we, you know, I think what we were writing probably wasn't even that good at the time because normally we'd get to sort of, you know, a few days before we were due to meet and realise neither of us had written anything, So We'd both <laughs> frantically try and write something, you know, on top of normal jobs and everything. But um, I think it probably was what gave me the confidence to say, yeah, yeah, I'll have a go when, when the opportunity then came up and, uh, you know, I sort of thought, well, actually, yeah, I've been working on that, working on all sorts of ideas, working on my writing but uh, no, it was. I mean, I'm. I'm just saying. I've really missed those. I've moved from where I was, so I, I'm no longer being my friend. I did that with. Um, but it was such a such an encouragement. And actually, there's been. I think. I think those people who support you and who you can sort of collaborate with, even in quite an individual sort of artistic discipline, I think that's really helpful. So, I was lucky with the boss I mentioned, who who said, "Hey, go for it." She's a brilliant creative herself. Um, uh, an author as well so she had done various stuff so for her to give me the opportunity was a real affirmation mm-hmm. and again I had another author who's um pretty I mean over here in the UK those people know his stories Bob Hartman who writes um like Lion Ly- Storyteller Bible and various different um books for for kids that engage with Bible stories and he he was he's just really invested in me um as a young writer worked with me we'd meet up we'd get a Pint of, um, of cider by this lovely pub by the river, and just chat through stuff. I'd send them my manuscripts, and yeah, I think people like that who um, just just encourage you and affirm you, but also sharpen you and help help you grow and improve and develop. Um, I certainly, for me, I think that's been absolutely vital. I don't think I'd be able to do this or have the confidence to do this if if I hadn't had people like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree. I'm so thankful for people in our lives that, Mm -hmm. that God allows to do that uh, with us and for us such a gift. Um, and I I've always pictured, this is like, it's like a picture of the church, you know, all these different members working together to, you know, in our, in our creative path, uh, our creative walk, doing it together is it's, Beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful to watch people come together, their various talents and encourage each other forward. And uh it's the products are always better, uh, in my opinion.
1: When I worked for um Spring Harvest is doing creative direction, it was one of my great joys. So I was like, oh, all through my teens and youth, I'd always sort of wanted to be on the stage and, you know, be doing the like musical theater stuff. Um, but ending up in this in this directing role, I was like, gosh, this is so much better because you know, if I'm just there trying to do my own thing on my own and like, yeah, I'm one small part. Whereas to, to be able to be in the creative direction role, you get that big picture where you see, gosh, I can draw in this person who's brilliant at that. And this person who's way better at that than I could ever be. And you get all these people playing to their strengths who then you can bring together and help that to create some, a hole that's bigger than the sum of its parts. And, and mm-hmm. that, and I, I, you know, I love connections. I love that big picture stuff. So for me, that was so rewarding, but again, I would see in that a picture of the church and what the church is supposed to be like. We're all coming with our gifts, uh, with our passion. We're working together towards the same, the same goal and end and, and vision and inspiration that's in, in Jesus. And um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think.
0: Yeah, I love it. So so cool. Ah, uh, well sounds like, cause I was going to ask you a bit about your publishing process, but it sounds like it was a very <laughs> uh, good process for you. I, you know, I know that can be a bit of a hurdle for, um, authors, you know, sending out manuscripts and, you know, so your, your first book, the mirror and the mountain, I've got it here. Um, so that was the one that right away was accepted in and they got excited about it. So did the, did you work with the same publisher for books two and three?
1: Yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, so the first one, because because it was linked with this event, they sort of knew there was going to be a guaranteed few thousand sales, which kind of, I, I think basically they kind of need 3,000 to make it viable as a book or something like that. So um, they kind of knew that was going to be in the bag and then could see how it went. And then, because um, it, it really went down well at the event. And I think it was the first time we'd tried something like that as a resource for families. So people really, you know, bought into it and, and really appreciated it and found it helpful. Um, and I think they had like lots of people saying, oh, will you do this again? This is really great. So I think then the publisher um, were really encouraged by that and as, as then we um, used it outside the event as I um, got involved in, you know, sharing it with other people um, after the event. Um, I think there was enough interest. They're like, oh, actually, yeah, we, you know, would you be interested in doing two and three? And I was like, I was, I was like chomping at the bit ready to go um, and yeah, did it with the same publisher and um, I was lucky enough to work with the same editor for all three books as well, who nice. um, I just got on really well with, who's um, my editor, Joy, who was uh, just wonderful and um, really definitely, you know, massively helped me in honing my writing ability. I now kind of look between books one and three and I think, gosh, how much I've grown as a writer when I look at book three um, is remarkable. And I think, you know, lots of that's down to people like her. Um, so, so yeah, I was able to do uh, all three books the same um, publisher which is uh lion hudson who just merged with um spsk um over here uh a uk publisher so um,
0: yeah very nice yeah well the, uh, and it's fun you know i, I kind of consider thinking back to you know reading your first book and then in comparison with reading uh through to book yeah. three i see it too i see um just a lot of maturity in the story and and in the mm. character development you did have a bit more freedom maybe and the confidence I can see that grow growing mm. through there too so um and I don't think we've even said it what's the name of the series of these books oh
1: yeah um yeah they're called the uh, an adventure in presadia series um and the, the first book's the mirror in the mountain the second is the forgotten palace and the third is the last dragon rider um but yeah, an, an adventure in Bresavia, which um, yeah, is the name of the fantasy kingdom where all these events sort of take place.
0: Yeah, it's it's lovely. And um, we <laughs> will link every, you know, places for people to go check these out. And um, and I think one of my favorite things with these kind of stories is watching um watching people experience God in ways that they may have never considered before or a dimension of the character of Jesus that they never considered before. Have you gotten any stories, any feedback from people that have read your stories to that effect? Um, what's some of the favorite things you've seen God do with your books?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, all sorts. I mean, for, for me, that, that element is quite key to sort of the be, being able to explore, um, based of the really core theology of the Christian faith, but through ways which hopefully doesn't feel preachy or heavy handed. Um, so for me, you know, I, you know, I'm quite involved in, I'm doing a PhD in theology at the moment. So I'm very passionate about exploring that. And actually for me, exploring that in kids' books is really important. I used to have a lecturer who said, if you can't explain a theological idea to a five-year-old, then you don't really understand it. And that's, you know, I've yes. taken that challenge to heart. And I think I, the thing I've loved has been, um has been parents who who have fed back, like, oh you know my child has actually been growing in their discipleship through through these books and particularly um the first book which engages with the um the wisdom in James at the back there is a section that um families can use to basically discuss um how different chapters link in with Mm -hmm. certain parts of the the book of James and then heard a lot of, of parents saying They were like quite floored by like the depth of the conversations they would have with their children after you know they'd read a chapter uh, before bedtime and then talk about the question and just amazed at the questions that are are there under the surface for children but which we don't always give space and time for Mm -hmm. and because the story had sort of set you know it sort of created a sense of a a bit of a culture that allows them to do that Um, so I've been really encouraged by that side and there's been a few just particular moments that. I don't know that, you know, they, they feel in some ways, they're not huge things, but they've just really inspired me where it's um it seems to fed into the confidence of, of children who've read them, which is that I think in my books, part of what I want to communicate is the deep value and unique contribution that each person has. So it, that's kind of a theme through all the books. Um And I remember that there's sort of probably a couple of things that sort of come to mind as I think about that. One is um with uh the first book there's a poem runs throughout and sort of breaks up sections of the story and uh, it was at the event where we launched the book at spring harvest and there was this um kid who had uh, autism who was finding it really hard to engage in his uh, in his program at the event because um he was often quite overwhelmed by what was going on uh, but he longed to be on the stage he longed to be a part of some of the production stuff they were doing but just found it so hard to work with the other children and, and with all the sort of stuff that was going on but um one of our hosts for that morning session happened to go into the program and um heard this this child basically reciting the entire um poem by heart which is like you'd only read the book like you know a day or two before and had memorized this poem and was sort of i read it out before the program so it of was really valued and so he invited him to come up into our arena on the, the next morning and do it before, you know, three and a half thousand people oh, and this goodness. kid who had just desperately longed to be able to be on the stage and be a part of it um, got up there and um, and just did it word perfect, did it beautifully and got like the biggest round of applause and I, his mum sort of came up to me afterwards and was like he's literally going to remember this for his life and um, I, I, it was honestly, it was such a I mean, I felt so humbled being like, I can't believe I wrote those words but it's it's been such a significant thing for him um so that that's a particularly special story and then I I get to go into schools quite a bit and um, I'm actually quite heavily dyslexic which um always baffles people as an author and I get to often talk about my dyslexia in schools and and I I, and I'm I'm always blown away I get I get a lot of parents who write to me afterwards um to say my child um you know you transformed the way they see what they they could be involved in and like they, they would never imagine they could do this sort of stuff but actually you've really in, encouraged and inspired them and and for me that's that's really special having jo- gone through that journey of you know um re- being able to realize that despite my dyslexia i can do this as well it's, that's been a journey for me so to see that make an impact with other children um to give them confidence that their dyslexia isn't isn't a bad thing actually it's a bit of you know it unlocks lots of potential and great things um that's also really special for me and feels like a way God has blessed me through the books um in in many ways
0: that's incredible I didn't know that Luke and um, yeah <laughs> and I love that you get to go into schools and uh not only share uh about these stories and uh, mm. but to be able to minister to others uh through maybe something that you have felt is a bit of a thorn in your side at times. Um, but God's using it in a, in a really impactful way. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I, for me, it's become quite a significant thing to realize that my dyslexia isn't, I'm not sort of like an author, despite my dyslexia, I actually think it's my dyslexia, which um, unlocks the the creative side of my brain and helps me to helps it, you know, ignite my imagination and get me into the mm. the shoes of other people to journey within the stories. And yeah, and 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 frankly, I I don't enjoy pushing and plugging my books and trying to get people to buy them. Whereas I do love, you know, being face to face with children who I can actually speak some words of of truth and life and affirmation and, and encouragement into them. Uh, and for me, you know, there there are some limitations on how sort of avert you can be with your faith when you're going to school in, in that sort of capacity yeah. here. But um but for me there there's actually quite a, a gospel um thread within within what I'm able to do when I go into schools and and then certainly if it encourages them to read the books the books are going kind to of written in a way that I hope it's not just Christians who read them it, they're, they're accessible so that others can encounter a bit like sort of Narnia and stuff like that so um, absolutely. yeah so for me that that's a really important side of uh, of the work around the books I think
0: absolutely I agree that that it is uh it is very present in your storyline uh but subtle enough that i i feel confident to gift this series to you know maybe a family that isn't necessarily um mm. a believing family and i i believe it would bless their children and maybe uh spark something in in them to ask good questions and to explore yeah. their faith and so that's that's incredible um yeah i love the story of the young man reading the poem that just Oh, oh it just warms my it heart it gets me uh, every
1: time even yeah when I just think back, I'm like oh whenever I read the poem I think of him now like stood on that stage reading it so um yeah so he's changed me as well I love
0: that Oh, uh, one of my nephews he's 18 now he's very high functioning autistic and he was just recently in a high school musical Oh, wow. And I, kn- I didn't get to go travel back to go see it, but I'm hoping there's a DVD or something I can. Yeah. <laughs> he, I guess he got up there and he, he said, he, of course, he memorized everything and was, that was just, um, probably he memorized it the first week, I can imagine. And I guess he just got up there and sang his heart out and just, it's just, I, I just, I'm blown away. And I, uh, my mom, uh, and my sister, his mom said that it was just, amazing to watch him do that and to tackle that. And uh, these kids are amazing. Uh, They're absolutely fascinating. Um, So anyway, uh, the power of memorization in those kids is inspiring. So (laughs) yeah. Um, Well, let's see. Uh, most authors are also readers and uh, we love to kind of pass along recommendations um, to our audience. If there's any books that you have enjoyed over the um, in the past, especially as, you know, a, a budding author, or just trying to figure things mm-hmm. out, have there been any books um, of inspiration or of skill building that you could recommend to our audience that are looking to become story writers?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think um uh, I mean, I'm inspired by such a range of people. I find it quite hard to draw down to one or two, but uh, I, as I, from a purely sort of writing and, a, and particularly a fantasy writing and engaging with world building and things like that, I, I'm, I'm a great fan of um, Brandon Sanderson, who does uh, quite large series. He finished off the wheel of time for, um, but then he has quite a lot of his own series. And then um, he actually has a brilliant, a really brilliant um, online YouTube lecture series where he teaches in a somewhere in America. And he basically like teaches um, storytelling. So I love his books. So I think he is a, I think he is a master of, of world building and um, particularly developing things like magic systems and stuff like that. So if you're a big fantasy nerd, um, then, then I think he's a, he's a really rich person to engage with. Um, I, in terms of like exploring some of the deeper stuff, uh, it's interesting. I've reread very, pretty recently some books that had really impacted me as a child, um, which only revisiting them as an adult as I read them, I thought, gosh, I can see how this has actually probably shaped my spirituality and my my faith in ways that I hadn't expected, even though the book, I, I'm, I'm not even sure if the author is a Christian or not. I've tried to work it out and I haven't been able to tell. But then it's a, a book, uh, a series called The Windsinger Trilogy um, by um, uh, William Nicholson. And, and I think those are a brilliant example of how you can explore sort of a theme, but in a way that is, is not sort of too in your face, and yet you can explore it so deeply. So in his, there's this whole idea of sort of um these kind of two opposed forces, really. One is this sort of the idea of like absolute passion and desire and sort of unrestrained, sort of um, you know, always wanting more. Um, and then the other is this sort of um this power of self-sacrifice and, and uh, emptying oneself and of simplicity. And and actually that's I like I look back now and I'm like, oh I feel like maybe this has impacted me and my faith in a way I hadn't expected. And I and I actually I was so impressed rereading them now having written and and, and older to look back, back and just see how how beautifully they had been woven in, in a way that can really can really shape your reader. Um, in a way that's quite subtle. So as, as great examples, I think those two are great examples in different ways. Um, I, um, I do like, I, I mean, I love C.S. Lewis as an author generally. I'm actually not, uh, although my books are a little bit Narnian-esque, I, I'm not like a mega, mega fan of Narnia. I do, I love them and I enjoy them, but I actually find them a little bit heavy-handed for me. Um, mm. but, I, but again, I think there is a great example in, in Lewis. Um, and although Tolkien claims he doesn't you know he's not exploring his faith or real issues in his books I think you know the author's worldview always infuses their work so mm-hmm. um they I mean they're they're masters of fantasy as well and um you know a bit old school in some senses now but um still really rich and um so so I find them inspiring and then yeah in terms of sort of honing the craft I think I think for me it's it's about in some ways, it's about just reading as widely and as mm. as often as I can to really just experience the very, very different range of the ways that people do it and just working out what is it that I love? What is it that I really admire in these books? And, and I think also doing that alongside writing changes the reading experience. So I revisit books now, which um, as I read them, I, I've got the sort of the author's lens on as well, as I'm looking like, "Oh, that really moved me that scene. What was it that the author did that that really moved me? so I, I think actually a part of my encouragement for people who are sort of thinking or oh, maybe I could get into writing is actually just to start and then to continue reading as you're doing that and and, and just uh, and I think the two skills actually enrich each other, so my my writing makes makes me a more avid reader in some ways, and my reading makes me a hopefully a better writer. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I completely agree. And, you know, as a songwriter, I do a similar uh, thing sometimes where I I try to listen wide. I try Mm. to listen to all different types of music. And if there's a particular song that's really resonating with me, for some reason, I try to almost pick it apart, take, Mm. uh, take note of the syllable counts of phrases and the rises and falls of the melody, maybe the chord structures and just try to figure Mm. out what's going on, Uh, you know, emphasis of words you know where that's placed within a phrase and just kind of pick it apart and it's it's fun yeah. and it can be kind of revealing to see uh which patterns or which um you know like you were saying what what is it that is happening in yeah. that scene that's really uh impacting you and how do, how do you recreate that so that's really cool and I'll, we'll have to look up some of those especially the youtube um the the training or like the storytelling uh that's really that's a fun resource I bet
1: it's really good I mean I think it's literally it's a sort of a university level course but it's all on YouTube I can't remember what the university is but it's Brandon Sanderson and just really really great stuff drawing on loads of great authors I mean particularly from the fantasy genre background but it would apply to whatever genre someone wants to write
0: very neat cool well thank you for that and So as we kind of wrap up, we always love to ask uh, our creative people, do you have anything coming up that you're really excited about? Sounds like you've been busy with maybe uh, (laughs) training and, uh, you know, but are you still writing? Do you have anything else coming up?
1: Uh, I'm not writing anything. I'm not in the writing process of anything at the moment, but I'm juggling around various ideas for series. And I think I want to move more in a direction of sort of young adult. I think as, as I went through this series, they get a bit older as they go through and I realized my natural audience I think probably is young adult um more more than kids and and I'd love to explore that so um so I've got a few ideas bubbling around there I I have to finish this PhD first I think because I think I'm trying to juggle too many projects so (laughs) that's my motivation to um to get done um but but actually that in itself has been a real joy for me it's a project probably only you know three or four people in the world will be interested in reading at the end of it but but it's also it's felt really significant for me as an author I'm I'm engaging with this idea of vocation and purpose and identity and stuff like this which just just feeds so closely into how how do you do good characters and good good stories and I think I I'm really looking forward to doing my first um fiction writing uh, after the PhD because I I think I've just got so much that I could explore within that. Um, So, so nothing immediate coming up, but um, you know, I mean, you know, if, uh, if anyone wants to get the books for Christmas presents to share them with people, uh, that would make me absolutely delighted. And um, we are, we are in talks with the publisher about um, maybe doing audio books, which I'm hoping we'll be able to turn the series into those. So, you know, yeah if you enjoy the books and think there should be audio books then put that in some reviews online and that might encourage the publisher to, um, yes. to go with it but I'm um, I'm hoping that'll work because I'm I consume audio books very quickly so oh
0: I'm, me too and like get different people to do the different characters and yeah oh, maybe some so swells of music and there some sound effects and yeah like, there's, oh lots, my there's goodness.
1: lots of there are like lots of little songs and poems and I'd love to see that coming out in, in yeah book, so.
0: oh I vote um, yes
1: do it <laughs> <laughs> mobilize, mobilize the podcast audience. There must be like, you know, lots of people. Yes, there's.
0: Yeah, <laughs> reach out to Luke if you want to tackle that, um, and I would love to help uh, in any way, <laughs> or even just cheering you guys on. Uh, I think that would be very cool. I love audiobooks. Actually, that was the first way I ever listened to the Narnia series. Was it was on it? Our, yeah. our move to Alaska from Colorado and it's such a long drive and I had my own yeah. vehicle and I was pulling a trailer and my husband was in front of me in his own vehicle pulling a trailer and wow! Um, so I had the car all to myself and I yeah. don't do well in that much silence so I'm like <laughs> what can I do and I had never uh uh read the Narnia series as uh as a kid and um, I had always heard they were wonderful books. And so I just, I found them on audio CD and, uh, yes, CD, everybody, the thing that you had to put in your car long, long ago, uh, at least they weren't cassettes. It wasn't that long yeah. ago, but, uh, and they were lovely. It was, they were very well done and there were different characters for the voices and there was, uh, backgrounds, uh, sound effects and oh. music. It was lovely. So, um, yeah i will try to find the the publisher that that version of them and send you uh oh yeah what I'm envisioning for your own
1: (laughs) I'd love to listen to it it's been a few years since I did Narnia so I'm probably due for a reread at this point
0: (laughs) yeah that sounds wonderful well I hope that happens because uh that will be something I jump on right away but Okay. Well, we love to end our episodes. Uh, I would love to pray for you as we finish out. And then everyone, Luke is going to read to us. I asked him to do this um, just to kind of give you a taste of uh, what his books kind of contain and the heart behind them. So uh, Luke, we're thrilled that you're going to be willing to do that for us as we close out, but uh, let's go to prayer first. Well, Father God, thank you for this time to get to know Luke. Um, to hear a bit of how you have taken him along this creative journey, what you've called him into and how you've used others to encourage him forward. It's such a beautiful picture of, um, how you're just into every detail of our lives. And that is something that we can take comfort in, um, that you delight, uh, work through your people uh, for the glory of your name and that we get to be part of it. And it's such a gift to us, Lord. And uh, we thank you for these books that Luke has written. They are such a joy to me and I know they will be to many uh, families and to people who just want to maybe get a clearer picture of your heart for your people and what you call us to um, as we strive to grow in our faith and our, um, confidence as your people, Lord. I just thank you for this time, uh, today again, to just connect with Luke and hear, um, what he's excited about and how these books have been used by you in beautiful ways. And it's, um, it's just such a joy to be able to do this creative work together and to encourage each other. Um, yeah, we, we really, we are so blessed, um, to be able to partake in this kind of work, uh, this creative work, uh, of art, of writing, of music. It's such a rich thing to enjoy. And we're so thankful Lord for the gift of creativity. We pray Mm. all this in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. Oh man! Thank you, thank you for praying for me. Yes, so,
0: yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. All right. And so, what will you be reading for us today?
1: Well, uh, it feels like proper bedtime story for me because it's like half nine in the evening. Here, <laughs> you know? well, I'll be going to bed soon, so you know, cracking the spine open. It feels very special. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from um, the second book, The okay. Forgotten Palace. Okay,
0: I've um,
1: got it. And it's it's fairly near the beginning, a few chapters in, but to give a bit of context, the main character and Tim Antimony. Um, has discovered and gathered up all these pieces of a broken mirror that he found. And he's been um, sort of earnestly and carefully trying to put all the pieces into the order um, that they, would, they should be in and discovered there's a missing piece and um, felt quite frustrated about all this work he's done. Um, you have to read the book to understand more of the context, but I'm going to pick up with a, a, a little scene that happens uh, shortly after this, which I is one of the special scenes in the book for me. He awoke suddenly, unsure what had roused him. For a moment, he lay still, looking up at the rough stone ceiling. Sparks' glow was faint, but it gave him just enough light to see by. Turning his head, he gazed across the room. He jumped violently. He scrambled backwards and pressed his back against the wall with a stifled yelp. Standing only a few short paces from him was a hooded stranger. No. Wait, it was the hooded stranger, the man Antimony had rescued from the ruins. He was examining the piece together mirror shards, oblivious to Antimony's alarm. Who are you? What are you doing here? Antimony's heart was pounding in his chest. How had the man got into his bedroom? Antimony was sure he hadn't been on the wagons with the other survivors. The man seemed unconcerned by the strangeness of the situation, just as he had been in the ruins. In fact, he gave the impression that Antimony's bedroom was exactly where he was supposed to be at that moment. A mischievous little grin lit his face. Ignoring Antimony's questions, he muttered a little rhyme. A pot filled with cracks leaks whatever's inside. If you think that I'm cracked, then in my cracks I won't hide. He looked around at Antimony, as if surprised to find him there. Oh! Good evening, Antimony. I must say, this is beautiful work. He stooped down to run his fingers over the cracks. It must have taken great care and hard work to do this. Antimony huddled in silence, lost for words. It felt awkward to simply repeat his questions. But then the whole situation was awkward. Who was this man? What did he want from Antimony? Perhaps he had come back for his mirror shards. But how had he found their home and, more importantly, who had let him in? You are very gifted. Few people would have the patience and skill needed to restore something that looked so broken. Antimony was still lost for words, but his eyes were drawn back to the incomplete mirror. Annoyance at the missing piece rose up in him as he looked down at his failed attempt. It doesn't look broken. It is broken. Oh, I've never let that stop me. To me, it looks as if it is in the process of being mended. It's not finished yet, but it's no longer broken. Somewhere between broken and whole, perhaps. Who was this madman? But there's a missing piece and it can never be properly mended anyway. I I shouldn't have bothered trying. It was a waste of time. The hooded intruder looked up at him and tilted his head. A curious expression on his face that Antimony couldn't read. Do you really think so? Of course. I don't know why I tried. Even if it wasn't missing a fragment, it would still be broken. I thought piecing it all together would help, but I don't know how to get rid of all the cracks. Perhaps getting rid of the cracks is not what you should be doing. I think it's beautiful even with the cracks. They may not have been there before, should never have been there, really, but now they are there, at the cracks tell a story. What? Antimony lifted his shoulders and let them fall again in a grumpy shrug. A story of how it got broken and how I wasn't able to fix it. The stranger didn't reply. Instead, he lowered himself to sit cross legged beside the mirror. Leaning forward, he ran his fingers along one of the cracks. Where he touched, the mirror pieces beneath his fingers seemed to melt together. Antimony blinked in surprise. Where once there had been two pieces, now there was only one. Where the fracture had been, a thin line of silver glowed with an ethereal brilliance. When all the pieces are put back together, said the man without looking up, the cracks point to the one who cared enough to restore it. Knowledge of the brokenness makes us more aware of how wonderful it is than if it had remained unblemished. He raised his head and smiled at Antimony. When I look at the mirror, I see how lovingly and patiently you you have worked to mend it. Those cracks are no longer a sign of brokenness, but a sign of restoration. Once again, he dropped his gaze and continued his work, stroking each fractured edge to leave a path of glittering silver as the pieces joined together. Brokenness does not mean uselessness. It does not mean that the broken thing is worthless or that it is not treasured by someone. Why else do we mend things? We mend them because they are precious. We mend them because they are beautiful. He looked up at Antimony again. Because they are of great value. He paused before returning to his work. Often it's only after something is broken that you realize how special it was to you and how important it is to restore it. Brokenness is not something to be afraid of, Antimony. Though cracks may be visible, they needn't be ugly. Cracks need not be a sign of shame and worthlessness. They can be a sign of love and wholeness restored. Antimony stared, open mouthed He had seen Master Crafts dwarves at work and marvelled at their almost magical skills when working on their masterpieces. This was more mesmerising and awe-inspiring than any dwarvish handiwork. This didn't just feel magical, it really was magic. Spellbound, he watched as the man worked the mirror beneath his fingers, moulding what should have been solid and unbreakable as easily as if he were a potter working with clay or a blacksmith shaping molten metal. But there was no loud hammering here or clanging of metal. This master craftsman's touch was gentle. It moved with the familiarity of someone who knew exactly what he was doing and with the tenderness of someone handling something incredibly precious. There will be times, Antimony, when you feel just as broken as these shards. When that happens, remember that you are not useless. You are deeply valuable. Anything that has been broken can be made whole again. Perhaps it won't look as it did before, and the cracks might still show, but so will the love that has restored it.
0: Thank you so much for listening today, everyone. To see the resources mentioned in this episode, you can head over to theophanymedia.com forward slash fantasy. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Dave Ebert, and Rachel Oxborough. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer did our music. And Jake Dobrins produces and edits the show.